Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. You can listen to us on demand on Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. And live each weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern on Mojo 5.0 Radio Network on iHeartRadio. Follow us on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or email me at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Want to call into the show? You can call me at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Leave a voicemail and we might use your call on a future program. This uh, this whole issue with Joe Biden is really uh, taking off. I um, I suspect that this is a public relations crisis control campaign that's been uh, war roomed out to try to inoculate creepy Joe from uh, from the worst of these accusations. The accusations that have come forward so far are all from Democrat Party operatives, oddly enough who are citing some of the least egregious uh, examples of Joe's gropiness. And, of course, you've got, um, you know, the the mainstream media rushing out to defend Joe, uh, characterizing all of this as uh, just Joe Biden being affectionate. There's a lot of things I know about Joe Biden. I've known him for a long time. He is extremely affectionate. He's very affectionate. I find oddly affectionate. He kisses people on the mouth. He shouldn't. He's always touching people's shoulders. I've seen him rub the shoulders of women and men. Joe Biden calls them expressions of affection. He is an affectionate old school politician. Uncle Joe, as we affectionately call him, he's a very affectionate, very likable person. So it's not surprising that he that he behaves in this way, that he's quite affectionate. You know, he's just an affectionate guy. I've known Joe Biden a long time, as have many others, and have always found him a very emotional man who is very, very affectionate. You know, everyone in Washington knows that he uh, is a guy who is very affectionate. Oh, he's, he's just affectionate. He's been doing it his his entire life in a in an affectionate way he's a very affectionate person he suffers from uh, being uh, overtly affectionate to say that you know biden should change the way he is or that he needs to be less affectionate i think is a problem that's part of who he is i think the next time i see joe biden if he doesn't hug me and give me a kiss and hold my hand that's not the joe biden i knew he's an well you know when when all the media come out with their talking points and start repeating the same phrases again and again you know that something's up and what's up here is that they're they're bringing they're rolling out this stuff so they can get it off the table uh and 
cite their own examples. And you've even got Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram over there following along the script. And the, the examples that they're citing, and you, you noticed on that clip again and again, they're talking about rubbing shoulders are not representative of what Joe Biden's been doing for two decades or more that I'm aware of, which is uh, inappropriately touching women that are unknown to him, kissing people on the mouth. But, but worst of all, he's been doing this with little children. And if you go on YouTube and watch these videos, you can see the, the way the little children react. And they know instinctively that this stranger is not supposed to be touching them in the manner that he does. Uh, Joe Biden, I don't see, he may be able to get through the Democrat primaries because there will be some sort of tactic uh, agreement that they don't want to tear down their front runner that's going to have to face Donald Trump. But um, I don't see how he survives this stuff. You haven't seen, this is what they're putting forward to you right now is not representative of what actually Joe Biden's been doing. And what's quite clear, and and you can read the experts, is that Joe Biden is a, a groper. He's one of these people that go in public and, and uh, touch you inappropriately. In any normal setting, he would be uh, slapped across the face by many of these women and, and knocked on his butt by their husbands. But uh, but he's been allowed to get away with it because of his status and uh, and the fact that he's got a Secret Service detail there to protect him and uh and speaking of secret service one of the stories that the mainstream media had no interest in pursuing at all was the fact that joe biden likes to swim naked in front of his secret secret service detail including the female secret service agents now could you imagine if mike pence it came out that mike pence was swimming naked in front of his female Secret Service agents, he would be drummed out. He'd be forced to resign within a week. But this is the the advantage you get if you've got the mainstream media running interference for you and pretending that what you do is uh, is somehow different or okay. You got um, Brett Hume out there defending joe biden and this this is uh you know this is sort of the the republican weakness they try to be reasonable and um fair and it leaves them open to manipulation by the democrats who know how to push their buttons joe biden has been engaged in in a behavior that would have got any Republican politician resigned, excoriated for a week on end and, um, and just, you know, disgraced. And now that uh, he's, you know, out from under the protection of uh, being vice president and actually having to run for office on his own after 16 years, I believe they're trying to, to get this issue off the board, but, there's uh, there's another scandal uh, on the horizon, which, if the Republicans are worth their salt at all, will uh, will use to illustrate 
the actual um, monetization of American foreign policy by these Democrat politicians selling out American interests in favor of, uh, of their own financial interests. Hillary Clinton was the master practitioner of this, taking hundreds of millions of dollars of camp or uh, donations to to uh, her foundations while she was Secretary of State of the United States and, and making decisions on these donors' business before her, and even more so, presumed to be the going to be the forty fifth president of the United States. And if you dig into the uh, the operations over there at the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative, you'll see that they, it was basically just used as a slush fund to employ Clinton cronies. Very little of the money actually went to programs that were designed to uh, to meet the organiza- the foundation's stated mission. It was uh, it was an illegal operation that was based right there in Manhattan, but you won't see the Southern District of New York going after it. They're going after Donald Trump for spending, uh, I think it was like twenty thousand dollars on a portrait, and uh, and that was wrong. He should not have spent foundation money on a, a self portrait, but comparing it to what the Clintons got away with. Is uh, is the difference between you know a a breeze and a five um, a, a category five hurricane? And uh, it's going to be seen. Well, I mentioned that uh, Joe Biden's uh, a new scandal is going to be arising. It turns out that his son Hunter Biden, uh, who had previously done business over in China and leveraged his connections with his father to uh, to make millions of dollars selling out American interests over in China, also did the same thing in Ukraine. Yes, the same Ukraine that they sent, or yeah, that they've sent Paul Manafort to jail for lobbying without declaring himself a, a foreign agent. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, was over working for Yanukovych and uh, and uh, Russian uh, petroleum interests and making millions of dollars. And uh, he was doing it in a crooked way. And the Ukrainian uh, prosecutor at the time was uh, was investigating and looking into this when Joe Biden picked up the phone, called Yanukovych, and had that prosecutor fired. And this is no secret. Joe Biden actually went before the uh, Council on Foreign Relations and bragged about it. So Joe Biden may be toast. I don't know. Um, it's he, he was set to announce this week. It apparently has been postponed. It's now Wednesday. He was supposed to do it um, by Tuesday of this week. But... Um, Joe Biden has a long and storied history of corruption, inappropriate behavior, and just one gaffe after another. If he is a a Democrat nominee, I I, uh, firmly believe that he's going to be defeated yet again. So while we've uh, touched on the topic of, of, um, you know, the Russia collusion issue, 
I want to um, I, I want to just notice that the Democrats' new line is we've got to have this Mueller report right now. It cannot be redacted. We cannot exclude grand jury testimony, which is by in its nature not meant to be made public. When you testify before a grand jury, you don't have a um, a lawyer present. You're not allowed to take the Fifth Amendment. And all of that uh, is based on the secrecy of the grand jury. Well, the Democrats are now demanding that Attorney General Bill Barr hand over the Mueller report right damn now. Don't take any time to redact it or make sure that... Uh, you know, sources or methods or grand jury testimony is protected. You remember when uh, when the Republicans on the Intelligence Committee were trying to just release redacted versions of the FISA applications, the, the Democrats were uh, wetting their pants because they said that, oh, this might compromise sources and methods. But now that we've got the full report from Mueller, they don't give a damn about sources and methods anymore they just want the report right now unredacted and it's really just a talking point to try to detract the fact that um they know that Mueller or that uh, uh bill barr can't release this report immediately and they want to knock off the uh, the front page the fact that the report found that there was no collusion between trump or his campaign and the russians I got a clip here. This is a uh, old uh, Jerry Nadler. Nadler is uh, chair of the House Judiciary Committee, and he's one of the Democrats that are demanding Mueller's report be released in its entirety immediately with no redactions. Well, Nadler uh, was also on the Judiciary Committee way back uh, during the uh, investigation of Clinton's uh, Whitewater deal that uh, morphed into the expose that he had abused a young White House intern in the Oval Office. Back then, Nadler was uh, determined that uh, that that, uh, report never, that special prosecutor's report never see the light of day. As a matter of of, of decency and protecting people's privacy rights, uh, people who may be totally innocent, third parties, uh, what must uh, not be released at all. It's grand jury material. Uh, It represents um, 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 uh, statements which may or may not be true by various witnesses, uh, salacious material, all kinds of material that it would be unfair to release. (laughs) You know, you wonder how the Democrats can get away with again and again the the hypocrisy that is constantly on display and 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 they've become the party of hoaxes they present one hoax after the next they fool the american people they're they're shown to be liars and then when they're exposed they just move on to the next hoax it was the rush gate hoax it was the hoax that there is no crisis on the southern border and we're going to get to that later in this show the Jesse Smollett hate crime hoax that they were all behind, the Catholic Covington school kids hoax that was exposed again and again. They're shown to be uh, liars and hypocrites, and yet they never express any contrition or apology or anything. They just move right on to the next hoax and start the whole thing all over again. You heard Nadler right there say, 
uh, during the Star Report that you can't release grand jury testimony. That's unfair uh, to people who uh, who testified there and and uh, may have done nothing wrong. Now he's saying, uh, quote, Congress requires the full and complete special counsel report without redactions, as well as the underlying evidence. He goes on, he says, Attorney General Barr has thus far indicated he will not meet the April 2nd deadline set by myself and five other co- committee chairs. Deadline? How do you issue a deadline to uh, another co-equal branch of government? Hell, I don't even think a subpoena has been issued. Uh, he's, they're, they're just setting this up. Oh, he's, he's failed to meet a deadline. It's an artificial deadline that never was going to be able to be met. And, uh, and by law, none of this can be released without redactions. Adam Schiff, the, the dishonest, corrupt, leaking chair of the House Intelligence Committee, said that um, oh, we got we to gotta release this regardless of grand, grand jury testimony, just like it was requested during, uh, by um, Attorney General Jaworski during Watergate. Well, guess what? Those requests... Adam Schiff fails to mention were denied by the the courts because grand jury testimony by law, by uh, common law, by statute, by a long history of uh, jurisprudence is not to be made public. It is sacrosanct. A, A bar for his parts trying his best to try to satisfy these people saying that he will release this stuff as soon as he has a chance to go through it. And uh, and make sure that uh, no sources or methods or uh, classified information is re- revealed. And in the meantime, the Democrats are uh, uh, once again abusing their authority, going after Trump to investigate every aspect of his business dealings from decades before he ever ran for president of the United States. Now, if you've got a sprawling business empire like uh, the Trump Organization, who has, um, you know, developed huge um, properties, there's going to be something in there that you can you can try to um, to characterize as um, as illegal and go after Donald Trump, and that's that's exactly what they're doing. They have they've subpoenaed 81 individuals and at some point you think you know when are these people going to let it go and try to get something done for the american people we've spent half of trump's administration first uh first term in office on a hoax that anybody with any common sense could see was a hoax And now that it's been revealed as a hoax, they just want to go on to their next hoax, their next witch hunt. Will there be a point where these Democrats in Washington, D.C. have time to actually pursue the, um, the agenda that they were sent there to work on for the for the people of the country?
I got a clip here. This is Stuart Varney. He's talking about, um, you know, Trump is winning and the reason that he's winning. Oh, no, I want to play you this clip first. This is uh, Chris Wallace, who he might as well, you know, be working at one of the other networks, uh, to tell you the truth, because he's not a strong defender of uh, of the conservative end of the political spectrum but in this case he uh he he really puts uh, connecticut democrat representative jim hines on the spot talking about how they just demand to get this uh their hands on this mueller report unredacted and how it uh the attorney general's uh four-page summary of the report didn't in fact say that mueller um exonerated Trump. I'm not sure I'd break out a lot of champagne. They tried to make the case that the Mueller report says there's no evidence of collusion. There's plenty of evidence. But Congressman, and now I'm taking the the counter argument to what I was discussing with Kellyanne, that's not what the Mueller report says. It doesn't say there's plenty of evidence of collusion. No, what the Mueller, well, first of all, nobody knows what the Mueller report says because we haven't seen it. We've got the four-page bar summary and even though my Republican friends are attacking Adam Schiff and others by saying that the Mueller report says no evidence, that's not at all what it says. If you read the bar letter, the bar letter says that the investigation was not able to establish. So, Chris, two things no, can no, be no. true. Oh, wait, wait, say- no, no, excuse me, because with all due respect, sir, that's absolutely incorrect. I'm going to put up on the screen because uh, we knew that this probably was going to come up. The specific quote from Attorney General Barr, here's what he says. The special counsel did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in these efforts, despite multiple offers from Russian-affiliated individuals to assist the Trump campaign. So specifically, the special counsel is not saying there's insufficient evidence to prosecute. He's saying it didn't happen. Right. So, again, two things are possible at the same time. Number one, uh, whatever happened, and there's 400 pages of report that we're going to see. So something happened, or it wouldn't be 400 pages long. But whatever happened, the conclusion oh is God. that it's not a chargeable offense. No, and it's a, no, and he did, again, sir, respectfully, he didn't say it's not a chargeable offense. He said the report did not find that the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated. He, on the- do you ever get tired or the, to, do the Democrats ever get tired of their elected representatives lying to them? You have to ask yourself. There is no lie too big that they won't tell it. There's no hoax so audacious that they won't engage in it. If you want a, 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 just a taste of how badly Trump derangement syndrome has scra- scrambled the brains of these uh, left-wing media hosts. Uh, this is Christian Amanpour over there at CNN in a recent interview with uh, Jim Comey saying that uh, he, he should have stopped Trump supporters from chanting lock her up at, uh, at their rallies. Do you ever think that uh, you might be responsible for the election of President Trump? Does that keep you up at night? Are you worried in hindsight um, that you didn't 
bust any norm or you didn't tell the people that you were investigating Russian interference before the election? No. And, and Because that's really dramatic. What would we dis- You might have defeated Trump if you had just uh, uh, gone along with the program and told people that you were investigating Trump. Close. It was all classified to begin with, but we didn't know whether there was any fire to go along with the smoke. It would have been irresponsible in the extreme. Of course, lock her up was a feature of the 2016 um, Trump campaign. Do you, in retrospect, wish that people like yourself, the head of the FBI, I mean, the people in charge of law and order had shut down that language, that it was dangerous potentially, that it could have created violence, that it's kind of hate speech? Should that have been allowed? Should, should you, as secretary, or as uh, the director of the FBI, allowed people to chant "Lock her up"? What does uh, Christian Amanpour suggest that Jim Comey should have done? Arrest people for attacking the chosen one, Hillary Clinton? We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the crisis on the border and the uh, coming health care debate. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture an American nationalist perspective. So, you know, just to illustrate further my point about the Democrat Party being the party of hoaxes and dishonesty, it was was just a, a couple of weeks ago that you had the Democrats going out on TV uh, this was after Trump uh, declared an emergency on the border saying that there was no emergency on the border, no crisis. This was all just manufactured and that uh, the president was leading them astray. Here is uh, uh, Beta Beto on the campaign trail denying the obvious. I'm here to tell you a profoundly positive story from the U.S.-Mexico border. We do not need any walls. $30 billion, 2,000 miles long, 30 feet high. It will not be built on the international boundary line, which is the center line of the Rio Grande River. That wall will be built well into the interior on someone's ranch, someone else's farm, someone else's home. You and I will be forced to take their property to solve a problem that we do not have. A solve a problem that we do not have. That is an excitable boy. I wish you could see the video that goes along with that. He is flailing his arms like a madman. And he sounds like he's about to hyperventilate. But he, there are some points there that he makes that are worth uh, thinking about. Uh, he is quite right that the international boundary through uh, major parts of the Rio Grande Valley are in the center 
of the um, Rio Grande. And it makes you wonder that if some if if they in fact build a border wall on the banks of the Rio Grande, if one of these uh, left wing Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals lawyers or, or judges doesn't won't step forward and say, well, if they're on the American half of the river, then they're in America, and you're going to have to go over there over there and and offer them asylum. Or maybe if they just touch the back side of the wall, since the back side of the wall is American property, these judges will uh, determine that they're allowed to declare that you know they're within the borders of the United States. And again and again, they've said that the the wall won't solve the problem when this current crisis illustrates that nothing but the wall will stop the crisis. If they're allowed to declare asylum just by stepping foot on a, a American property, then they can come in such numbers that our, our border um, system, immigration system, can't possibly handle the influx. And the courts have determined that they have to be released into the, into the interior of the nation. You had Shepard Smith back a few weeks ago down in McCallum, Texas, uh, standing on the American side of a border wall, saying, well, there's no crisis down here. I don't see any any migrants. Well, well, no shit. Jim, that's the the point of the wall. You don't see huge influxes of migrants anywhere that you have a wall that uh, keeps them out. Tomorrow, the migrants, according to Fox News reporting, are more than... No, that's not the one. Here it is. And here are some of the steel slats that the president's been talking about uh, right here. Uh, As you can see, yes, you can see through these slats to the uh, other side of the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, But as we're walking along here, we're not seeing any kind of uh, imminent danger. There are no migrants trying to uh, rush toward this fence uh, here in the McAllen, Texas area. As a matter of fact, there are some other businesses uh, behind me along this highway. There's a gas station, Burger King, and so on. Uh, but no sign of the national emergency that the president has been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's pretty tranquil down here. <laughs> oh, man. You wonder sometimes if they're not trolling you. I mean, the level of stupidity um, represented in those comments is just mind-boggling. There is no crisis here at the border. I'm standing at an existing area of fence, and the uh, there's no crisis here, so that offense is not needed. Oh, man. Here is Acosta continuing this to beat this drum at a White House uh, press briefing with the president, calling this a manufactured crisis. And I'm honored by it. Yes, Jim Acosta. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I, I wonder if you could comment on uh, this disconnect that we seem to have in this country where you are presenting information about what's happening at the border, calling it an invasion, talking about women with duct tape over their mouths and so on. And yet there's a lot of reporting out there. There's a lot of crime data out there. There's a lot of uh, Department of Homeland Security data out there that shows border crossings at a near record low. Uh, that shows us, but un- still, undocumented immigrants me, committing crime. At lower levels, that shows undocumented criminals or undocumented immigrants committing crime at lower levels than native-born Americans. Um, what, what do you and, say? And to you your, don't, you- so Jim Acosta thinks that um, illegal immigrants 
who by their very presence here are committing a crime, but put that aside, that they commit crime at lower levels than native born Americans. So we should just, you know, fling our doors open and, and deal with the crime that they do bring. We shouldn't be allowed to screen them. That would be, um, you know, necessary to, uh, to allow them to enter illegally. We shouldn't be allowed to screen them for criminal history or make sure that they're not going to be a burden to um, our criminal justice system. We should just accept that they're better people than Americans to begin with and let them on in. All of those statistics, by the way, have been ginned up by these, uh, these immigrant advocacy groups. They're, they bear no relation to reality. They conflate the difference between legal and illegal immigrants. Legal immigrants do have lower rates of criminality because they have been screened to make sure that we're not adding to problems that we already have by importing more criminals. Illegal aliens, on the other hand, have far higher rates of criminality than Americans and legal immigrants because they have not been screened. And amongst their numbers are huge populations of gang members and drug smugglers and and people traffickers. But uh, Jim Acosta is purposely being dishonest because he is not uh, a reporter. He is a, um, an, an, an activist. He is a political activist who has an agenda that he's pursuing. And this is the new form of uh, journalism that's practiced at, at the networks and at the New York Times and Washington Post. You don't really believe that statue. Do you really believe what, that what statue? Well, Take let me a ask look you at this. our federal prisons. I believe, I believe in facts and statistics. Okay, and data, any more? But, quick, let's go. But let me just ask you this. What do you say to your critics who say that you are creating a national emergency? Trump is creating the national emergency. The one guy that is actually uh, bringing some urgency to this issue and trying to solve it by uh, implementing the only solution there is, and that's the construction of a wall, and this is their new, uh, their new mantra. Trump is creating the crisis. First, there was no crisis. Then when it became undeniable that there is a crisis, they say, well, it's Trump's fault. You're concocting a national emergency here in order to get your wall because I you couldn't get it through other ways. What do you think? Do you think I'm creating something? Ask these incredible women who lost their daughters and their sons. Okay? Because your question is... A very political question, because you have an agenda. You're CNN. You're fake news. You have an agenda. Uh, The numbers that you gave are wrong. Take a look at our federal prison population. See how many of them, percentage-wise, are illegal aliens. The percentage of illegal aliens in federal prisons is over 25%. Illegal aliens represent about, um, let's see, there's probably 20 one percent of the population of the country and uh and they represent over 25 percent of the federal prisoners in custody because they're committing massive amounts of crimes that's not even con- uh you know including the uh, the illegal aliens that have committed crime at the state and local level just in the federal level they represent 25 percent of federal prisoners and maybe even higher at this point but there was a, a part of this uh, this crisis, as you know, the president is threatening that if uh, Mexico continues to allow these migrants to traverse Mexico in order to uh, invade the United States, 
that the president's going to have no choice but to close the border. Well, that, that did um, get the attention of these, uh, these left-wing um, news outlets. Not in the way that you might expect, though. This eye-popping headline, the U.S., listen to this, would run out of avocados in three weeks if President Trump shuts down the border with Mexico. There's a lot of headlines about avocados. NBC News is reporting that nearly half of all imported U.S. vegetables and 40% of imported fruit are grown in Mexico, according to the latest data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and that it would be three weeks before avocados run out in this country. The move could be particularly tough for you avocado lovers out there. Mission Produce, the largest distributor and grower of avocados in the world, says Mexico supplies almost all of the avocados in the United States during the winter. Oh my God, we're going to run out of avocados if we, if we secure the border. We can't have that. These people are lunatics. This country is, is bleeding $200 billion a year in costs associated with the illegal immigration. It is destroying whole communities as the crime rates spike, the schools are flooded, the health care system collapses. But the left-wing media finally has found something about this that they can get, get uh, worked up over, and that is if Trump tries to do anything about it, they're not going to be able to get guacamole. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, sometimes you feel like you've just been dropped into um, uh, um, Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. You remember back before the election that uh, they had Obama uh, out on the campaign trail trying to uh, beat this drum that there is, in fact, no crisis on the southern border. Two weeks before this election, they're telling us that the single most grave threat to America is a bunch of like poor, impoverished, broke, hungry refugees a thousand miles away. That's like the thing that's really going to threaten Gary in the end. It's not, it's not like we need more jobs here. It's not health care. It's not like, how are we going to educate our kids? And, Get those guns out of the hands of our game. That's not the thing. The thing is, these folks a thousand miles away. And by the way, they're even using our brave troops, sending them down as a political stunt. Men and women of our military deserve better than that. Using troops on the border to protect the nation is a political stunt. So let's just uh, let's just dissect this Democrat outlook on border security. The president says that you shouldn't be worried about securing the border because you should be worried about jobs right here in, in America. Well, guess what? These people are coming here for jobs, and when they take jobs, those are fewer jobs available to Americans. It increases the pool of labor, so it drives down wages for the jobs that that Americans do get, which is why the Chamber of Commerce loves it so much. He says we shouldn't worry about that. We should worry about educating our children. Well, guess what one of the major problems in our schools is, is they're being overwhelmed with people, um, children of illegal immigrants that don't speak English. That we're having to divert 
massive amounts of resources in order to educate children that shouldn't be here to begin with. He says, well, how are we going to provide health care? Well, guess what? Literally hundreds of hospitals, especially in California and Texas, have collapsed and closed because the federal government requires that they provide health care to, uh, to people without regard to their immigration status. You remove the, uh, you lower the supply of health care and you increase its cost. Basic market forces. He says we shouldn't worry. Well, we shouldn't worry about the border. We should worry about getting guns out of the hands of gangs. Well, guess what? Many, if not most, of those gangs are illegal aliens. If they weren't here to begin with, you wouldn't have to worry about getting guns out of their hands and and trampling on the Second Amendment rights of the rest of us. It's really quite amazing the lack of critical thinking that they bring to this. And of course, it's because they're pursuing an agenda and not actually trying to solve the problem to begin with. Well, I don't want to be all all negative this week, and there is a positive story. The Southern Poverty Law Center, who has made a... Uh, a business model of uh, smearing the the political opponents of the Democrat Party is uh, is in collapse, as you uh, no doubt have heard. It turns out that the Southern Poverty Law Center, that champion of uh, uh, equal rights and anti discrimination, was in fact a hotbed of sexual harassment and racial discrimination itself. And uh, now Morris Dees, its founder, has been uh, forced to resign. And, uh, and the chair of their board, his name's Cohen, has been forced to um, step down as well. Actually, Morris Dees was fired outright. And then Cohen was, uh, was forced to resign. And I just want to give you a, a little idea of what exactly the Southern Poverty Law Center was up to, they um, they they basically were an attack dog for the Democrats so that they could silence and um, actually destroy any uh, political opponent uh, that, that uh, they were set upon. This is Bridget Gabrielle. She's from Act for America which is an organization that pushes back against radical Islam and the the implementation of Sharia law. She's on uh, One American News Network being interviewed by Jack Posobiec and uh, telling you what the Southern Poverty Law Center did to their organization. They were reflecting what they were doing and saying that other organizations are doing the same and that is discriminating based on race. You know, the news that's coming... I tell you what, let me play this clip from Steve Turley first to sort of set up Bridget uh, Gabrielle's interview with um, with Jeff Posobiec. Steve Turley, if you haven't uh, checked out his channel on YouTube, is um, a, a really insightful commentator on the rise of nationalist and populist groups in the United States and in Europe. Among the conservative groups that have been labeled officially hate groups by the SPLC, we have the Family Research Council. We have the Alliance Defending Freedom. Remember, the Alliance Defending Freedom has won more Supreme Court cases than any other organization in this nation. 
And yet this thoroughly reputable organization is dismissed as a hate group by the SPLC. It is, it's designated groups like the Center for Immigration Studies and the International Organization for the Family who's putting on the uh, Verona Conference that I'll be speaking at later on this week. They literally make no distinction whatsoever between organizations that represent real, genuine political and cultural concerns, such as those who actually argue and win. Keep in mind, win Supreme Court adjudicated cases. In other words, they are organizations that represent the interests that of, of citizens that are fully within the rule of law and Supreme Court recognized conception of justice. The SPLC can't distinguish between such law-abiding, indeed civil society honoring organizations on one hand and neo-Nazi slave owners on the other. Well, I think Steve Turley gives the Southern Poverty Law Center a little bit too much uh, credit in their closing there. They actually can recognize the difference. The, the, The point is that the SPLC is not, in fact, interested if you're a, a real hate group. If they were, they would be going after Antifa and uh, in care and many other groups on the left hand of uh, the left side of the political spectrum they they never go after them they go exclusively after conservative groups and label traditional um, religious groups anti-abortion groups um, and just you know conservative groups especially nationalist groups as hate groups and then they go about having them deplatformed silenced Remove, have their funding removed and basically uh, drive them out of the public conversation despite the fact that these are really just um, mainstream political conservative organizations. Here is Bridget Gabrielle, that clip I started to play for you. She's from Act for America. She is a group that uh, heads a group that was set up to push back against the implementation of Sharia law because she has seen it firsthand. She uh, came to the United States to escape radical Islam, and she doesn't want to see it implemented here. They were reflecting what they were doing and saying that other organizations are doing the same and that is discriminating based on race. You know, the news that's coming out from former employees of the SPLC uh, talking about they were basically referred to as the help or the servants and all the masters were the white elites who are ruling. There was a level of intimidation. The Southern Poverty Law Center figured that they can make a lot of money capitalizing on the good intentions of good people who really wanted to fight hate, and they started raising millions of dollars. Uh, exactly. Uh, the SPLC has gotten to a point, especially after the Charlottesville attacks a year, couple years ago, where they are now consulting with and providing information to all the tech giants like Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, PayPal, uh, financial organizations, and basically labeling any conservative organization that does not agree with their political point of view as basically a hate organization. The SPLC went so far as to label a 48 eight chapters of my organization as 48 different hate groups. In our case, uh, PayPal cut us off because they considered us a hate group based on the labeling of the Southern Poverty Law Center. And there was nothing we could do to fight it. I mean, we emailed them back. They would not respond. They said we violated their standards. Eventbrite just last week cut us off and said that we cannot use their platform 
because we violated their community standards, which is the buzzword for you're labeled as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and therefore we do not want to allow you to use our platform to do business. The tech giants should sever all relationships with the Southern Poverty Law Center because you cannot trust their words. They are already discredited. They already have proven liars and running a scam, raising money of the good intentions of good people to basically do nothing with it but deposit it overseas. And raise money they have. They've got an endowment at the Southern Poverty Law Center of almost half a billion dollars at this point. Much of it outside of the reach of uh, federal regulators uh, deposited in offshore accounts in the Canary Islands and, um, and um, you know, in uh, Bermuda and such. And all of this was, uh, was set up specifically to, uh, to, to give these uh, tech uh, titans in Silicon Valley uh, an uh, a justification for silencing people from the right side of the political spectrum. And it would be encouraging, or I guess it is encouraging, that um, that Morris Dees has been exposed and Cohen has had to step down, but uh, it's also kind of worrying because the woman that has been brought in to take the reins over the SPLC is another, none other than Tina Chen, the former chief of staff for Michelle Obama and none other than the same Tina Chen that stepped, uh, stepped into the Jesse Smollett case on behalf of the Obamas and, uh, and got Jesse, uh, uh, got the district attorney there in Cook County to dismiss the charges against Jesse Smollett. So if she's tied in with that group, you know that she's a, uh, a Marxist, and uh, and this is the woman that is uh, apparently going to take the uh, take control over the Southern Poverty Law Center. And I guess, you know, while it's fun to it's Schadenfreude to enjoy the the fall of Morris Dees, the organization has now fallen into the, the hands of uh, Marxists. Well, to tell you the truth, I don't see how it could get any worse. But certainly the Obamas and uh, that group of uh, communists and Marxists have now taken control of the organization. And uh, those people are very well connected. So it's, it's probably uh, likely that they'll continue to, uh, uh, to use Southern Poverty Law Center designations to silence and deplatform and demonetize their political opponents. We've just got a few minutes left, and I, I do want to touch on this, uh, this topic of uh, health care. It appears that uh, Mitch McConnell has decided that uh, Donald Trump is not going to be allowed to address the health care issue prior to the 2020 uh, elections. McConnell says he's not going to bring it up. Of course, um, McConnell has been kicking the can down the road on health care for a long time. The truth of the matter is that Obamacare... Um, is has been a great boon to the uh, uh, big insurance companies and uh, pharmaceutical corporations that Mitch McConnell uh, serves at their pleasure, and it's just he he has told the president in no uncertain terms that he is not going to bring that issue up before the twenty twenty elections. 
And I don't know if it's uh, strategic because he knows that, um, you know, he will be unable to deliver on any sort of legislation that uh, that actually uh, makes makes health insurance less expensive by um, by bringing in market forces to uh, to limit the payments to these um, these insurance companies and and pharmaceutical corporations or if he just thinks it's a losing issue rick samtorum was uh was on cnn and uh, he said what exactly what i'm thinking is the republicans better get off their butts and come up with a plan or they're going to get their clocks cleaned in 2020 consistently a majority of Americans trust Democrats on health care. They do not trust the Republican Party. And frankly, if you look at... Well, that's not true either. They don't trust the Democrats and they don't trust the Republicans. They, they see that Obamacare was an absolute abomination and it was given to them by, you know, the Democrats in Congress. But uh, they, they, they trust the Republicans even less because they know that traditionally the Republicans or the party of the big business um, interests, and they know that uh, they're getting ripped off. Consistently, a majority of Americans trust Democrats on health care. They do not trust the Republican Party. And frankly, if you look at 2017, there is not a reason to trust the Republicans to be able to deliver on health care. So if President Trump wants to make 2020 about health care, I say bring it on. That is great news well, for it can't Democrats. Not be about the reality is that, that Democrats lost four elections in, in, in a row on, on, on the issue of health care. And we won 2018. And, and you won 2018. And the reason you won 2018 is because Republicans didn't have an answer. And the Republicans decided not to fight. Mm-hmm. They decided to bury their heads and run on taxes and hope that the health care issue went away. And give President Trump credit. He is saying, we're not going to do that this time. We're not going to follow Mitch McConnell. We're not going to follow these folks who say we want an issueless election. We want a plan, and we have one. It's called the it's called the Healthcare Choices Act. We've been working on it for a, a year or so. Lindsey Graham and, and Bill Cassidy and John Barrasso and many others and Lamar Alexander have been working on this. There is a bill, and it's a good bill that's going to lower costs, it's going to lower premiums, and is actually going to keep actually increase coverage among uh, among the poor. I, I do in the. Well, that statement was given by uh, Rick Santorum prior to uh, Mitch McConnell putting the kibosh on any further discussion of reforming health care before the 2020 election. I think uh, Santorum's absolutely right. If the Republicans don't move in to seize that issue, they're going to lose in 2020. Well, that's about all for today's show. Thank you for joining us. If you like this show, please like, comment, and share. And be sure to subscribe on YouTube. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com.